Hello, this is Jim McGregor from Tirius Research, and welcome to a new Tirius Cast. I'm here with my colleague Paul Teich. And we're in the midst of IBM Think 2018 and on our way next week to GTC 2018. So this and a whole slew of conferences all point to one thing in the industry, artificial intelligence and machine learning. So we're going to talk about that. Paul, you want to kind of give us a rundown on IBM Think as we should think about uh, Think, Think, Think about AI? <laughs> so NVIDIA's... CEO Jensen got up and spoke uh, this morning at Think Keynotes. And basically what IBM Research and NVIDIA have done is they've taken a benchmark. It's called Snap ML. Google had taken about 70 instances on the cloud to run Snap ML in roughly 70 minutes. And what they did was they replicated that on four power systems, uh, AC922s, each with two Power9 processors and four uh, NVIDIA Volta V100 GPUs. And they replicated that in 91.5 seconds. So that's about a 46x speed up. They then took and compared an Intel-based system, a Xeon system, against a Power9 system. So dual Xeons against a dual Power9, each running only one GPU. And just to prove a point that NVLink integration onto the Power9 processors talking directly to an NVIDIA GPU, that, that 25 gigahertz communications link for NVLink 2, that it makes a difference. They ran the same benchmark essentially and showed about a 3.5x improvement just in shuttling data back and forth between the processors. It's got the same GPU. We've got, we've got the Power9 processors, which are actually pretty badass processors, but same class as a high-end Intel Xeon. And what you're finding is that the data movement really impacts machine learning performance quite a bit. Yeah, actually, that, uh, that's kind of been a central theme here is that AI and a lot of these applications are driving where performance is going. And it's not really driven by Moore's Law. It's driven by bandwidth more than anything else. Bandwidth to the accelerators, bandwidth to the memory. That's really the big performance improvement here, and that's going to be required on just about everything that's doing this from inference through uh, learning. And, and you may think, well, it's a heterogeneous system, and the GPU and CPU are equal citizens in the same memory pool. That's a little disingenuous. While they, while they can each see the main memory pool, you still have to move data from main memory into the memory system on the GPU to get your big speed up in performance. And so setting up a problem isn't just as simple as saying, here's a pointer, have at it. You really have to manage where your data is, whose memory it resides in. And so that data management task is, is a huge bit of overhead that machine learning in particular is running up against. Where is the data at any given point in flight during the processing, during the training task or during inference? We've also seen here so far at IBM think that there's a, more of an emphasis on the services, on the data, on the cloud services, and everything else to really be able to do that type of AI training. Matter of fact, today, in conjunction with Apple, IBM announced their new Watson Services for Core ML program works with Apple's Core ML to be able to allow developers a platform to develop applications that actually incorporate AI. And it's very unique. 
You know, one of the things that we've seen is that a lot of a lot of the technology companies claim to have AI solutions, but the problem is, is the developer still has to have access to the cloud services for training, and they still have to have access to the data. And for the first time, I think we're seeing, you know, that endpoint solution and these cloud services kind of come together in one. Well, what, what impressed me was we talk about democratizing deep learning, and really you still have to know a lot about deep learning today. It's, it's not democratized in the, in the sense that it's plug and play. Here's my data set. Go find a model that works and come back and, and give, me, give me a trained model that I can go implement, right? What I saw in the demo for, for the cloud-based front end for, for IBM system is, is a drag and drop, fairly simple interface that described a deep learning model, the layers of a deep learning model, not like a deep learning expert would have described it. I'd say it's not how not how more I, like I an application developer, it. yeah, yeah. But an application developer, you know, managing hyperparameters isn't fun when you know what you're doing. But if you but if you but if you don't know what you're doing, managing hyperparameters turns into it, it's a big mess. And so, automating the front end of developing a deep learning model and then being able to blast it out into TensorFlow or one of several modeling systems that that IBM supports and port that model down to Apple's core ML. Is that what they call it? I guess yeah, it's they call yeah. it core ML. Yes. I'm, I'm in the Android it's ecosystem. It's the so, Apple yeah. core, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, it makes that process as simple as it could be today. So you can develop your model in the IBM cloud on IBM's Watson training system. Watson services. Watson services, there we go. That then just blows down into one of your favorite modeling languages, which then you port and optimize to run on the Apple platform. It's about as easy as it gets to use today. Also, IBM is promoting kind of this concept of sharing data, and that's been one of the problems. Having access to data, you know, we're seeing these AI solutions from Facebook, from Google, from Microsoft, you know, and selected ones, you know, that some of the key developers like uh, Qualcomm and Apple and Samsung have developed, but it's really hard for an application developer. So IBM, as part of this, is also introducing what they call federated and trusted AI, where they have the ability, um, they've also talked about uh, private cloud solutions where you have a private cloud, but you use public data. And part of this is they have kind of this federated solution or this aggregator that is able to pull data from all these different sources, but make it secure. So none of the data gets corrupted and nobody else can see the data, but it improves the training model and it improves the accuracy, especially if you're trying to do something where accuracy is important, like financial modeling, like engineering, stuff like that. So it's interesting that IBM's not just focused on the technology side, but they're also really focused on trying to, as you said, democratize AI. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's not focused on the technology because I'm going to use the B word, blockchain. Now, there okay. you go. So, Good example. You get distributed ledger. IBM is using blockchain technology to form that chain of trust to enforce the privacy with their deep learning with a deep learning data set. You can take a massive number of rows and actually partition that 
by user, by access privilege. And so you can say these users can't see some rows. They're in a different country. Our privacy restrictions don't let them see those rows. But it, it means that you can also share the data that's not subject to those privacy restrictions. So you can do better, deeper model training. In that respect, it opens up more data to more researchers because you can actually share some of the data you're not blocking all of it because some of it is sensitive. So it's by user access permission. And the only way to really do that in, in a large scale, across a large enterprise or, or across enterprises, is by having a technology that distributes easily. And so that's that's one example of where, where IBM is using blockchain to support AI and deep learning training. Mm -hmm. Well, and the advantage of this also is once they have those models, they have a library of those models. Yeah. So it's something that's easily ported that somebody, you know, say you're in financial services or say that you're in, you know, maybe travel and entertainment or something like that. Maybe there's a model you can, that's already been built using this big pool of data from different resources. It's easy to transport. It's also easy to update and continue growing in terms of accuracy and content. So it is interesting to see IBM really focus on an end-to-end -end solution for AI, which is kind of unique. We haven't really seen it. We've seen the ecosystem start building up slowly, but not anybody really putting the pieces together collectively. Agreed. I, I have been impressed. We, we use the term end-to-end -end for a lot of things, but in this instance, I think from training to delivering inference as a service, IBM has a pretty good story across the spectrum. We're still kind of in the early days of turning all this into an operational model, but I think for the state of the industry today, what I've seen here at IBM Think is some good thinking. Uh, about how to make deep learning more accessible to more developers. And a key theme here has also obviously been around not only the Power9 architecture that IBM now has available, but also Volta from NVIDIA, one of their key partners in these AI solutions, and that obviously is holding their own developer event next week. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what else comes out of this next week and a half that we're looking at. Any predictions? I think we're going to see most of the server industry show up at GTC next week. Because frankly, all of the exciting stuff in AI uh, today is, is happening in a training sense. Uh, it's supported by all the clouds. Uh, I'm a little conflicted, so I'm pausing a bit. I want to do deep learning at my workstation. Okay, because I don't want to pay for a lot of cloud instances while, while I'm trying to figure out what models might work for my training, right? I'm going to do a bunch of local trial and errors and figuring out how many layers my model needs and what kind of model complexity I'm looking at. And when I settle on something that looks like it's training in the right direction, then I want to push that up to big cloud instances and, and get a lot of resources working on it. Or if I'm a big company, I may want to build a cluster after I've done this a few times and, and actually bring it in-house and control the cost of it. But all of this aims is kind of aimed at scale today. So there's a private, I'm a developer, I'm trying to get my model right, and I need a desk side solution, <coughs> versus I really want to run this at scale to solve a big problem. So I think what we'll see next week uh, may tilt more to the cloud side, I'm going to say. That's, that's really where the big money is in trying to deliver better forms of consumer-facing services like Alexa, Google Home, uh, Microsoft Cortana, and those kind of things, right? So everybody wants to know, how can I do that? And I think that's kind of where it'll lean. I, I'm not sure the pendulum will swing back very far toward local, but we'll see. 
I would kind of agree with you. I think the technology is moving so fast that it's really hard to justify, and it's still a significant investment if you really want to build a local system, um, not to mention the data sets and everything else. I think that pull is to AI as a service uh, when, when it comes to the development of the, the models. I think most of the OEMs will be happy to sell you a workstation class tower full of really you know, V100s or P100s, NVIDIA, NVIDIA, Pascal, or Volta generation processors. But those aren't for the faint of heart. You know, those, are, those are not beginner workstations. Those are outfitting data scientists who know what they're doing. If you, if you want to play with this, you can do it in a cloud instance. You can buy some of the commercial cards, although that's getting a little bit more difficult. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm leaning toward cloud. Next week is going to be a big cloud event for AI. You're up in the clouds, huh? Okay. Yes. Um, well, thank you for joining us. There's a lot of information coming out about AI um, during the next two weeks and throughout this year. Uh, we are really at the beginning of this inflection point for AI as it changes the industry, as it changes the market, as it changes society. So stick with us uh, as Terius Research continues to cover it from the technology, the application, and the business model standpoint. Uh, we'll continue to do this throughout uh, 2018 and beyond probably. So. This is Jim McGregor, uh, also known as Tech Strategist on Twitter and Facebook. Paul Teich, Paul R. Teich on Twitter, and just search for Paul Teich all run together on Facebook. Thank you for joining us, and look for more podcasts for us soon as we continue to track everything going on in AI and machine learning. <laughs> <laughs>